important buildings to bring out or to, or to establish that significance of it being, you know, steadfastness, prominent, grander victory. So even in the temple that Solomon built, remember that Solomon had palm branches on the walls and the doors of the temple. So it's quite a very popular um, symbol, yeah, uh, instrument or item that is used. If you, that's if you look at First Kings 29, we have that there. It was also a token of joy, symbol of joy and triumph. It was used very much. If you look at Leviticus 23, verse 40, we have that. And when kings went to war and they conquered, they came back, the people waving these palm branches, and the people rejoiced with them. Praise God. Even in the, in the Grecian games, they used palm branches as well. Some of them, when they put a crown on them, they also put a palm in their hands, all to indicate the victory of these individuals. We also, when you look at Judges chapter 4, verse 5, we also see that Deborah also sat underneath a palm tree to judge, um, possibly because of the shade and the prominence that it provided. The shade and the prominence that it provided. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just one second. The battery is going to die in a second. Okay, and at the end, at the end of the book of Revelation, so leave it. At the end of the book of Revelation, we also see palm branches being lifted by the people, and I'll read this one. Revelation seven verse nine, he says. After this, I, be, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were beholding and were holding palm branches in their hands. So here we see the, the use of palm branches both in society and by these people and especially in revelations we are told that the nations are going to be there with their palm branches in their hands praise god hallelujah so the question still stands why palm sunday why and when jesus was entering the uh, was entering jerusalem to demonstrate his passion in the following week, we saw that the people also lifted up palm branches. And 
So today I just want to try and answer that question, why Palm Sunday? And actually I've chosen why Palm Sunday as my title for this message today as a shorter version of this of the title why jesus entered jerusalem on a donkey and into the temple that is a longer title but for a shorter one i'm just choosing why palm sunday because what we mean by palm sunday on this faithful day jesus rode on a donkey and into jerusalem and went into the temple praise god so it is this question that i intend to occupy myself in this short time that i have with you here and i would say that we've already been introduced to uh, the one of the reasons why jesus entered the you know sat on a donkey and entered jerusalem as we were going through the prayer time and we thank God for that. Hallelujah. We give God a praise and we give God the honor. So I would say, why Palm Sunday? I would say Palm Sunday is necessary for us to celebrate and for us to acknowledge because at least, at least, at least it, it, it offers us or it provides us with the opportunity to do at least four things right it provides us with the opportunity to do at least four things and i have not done this before i usually will take a, a passage of scripture and i will look at it or i will look at matthew alone or mark alone or luke alone or john alone but today i intend to look at all four gospels in one sermon i'm very ambitious but all things are possible with God, isn't it? Praise God. So let's, let's get on with it. So first and foremost, it provides, like I said, it provides us at least, uh, uh, it, it, uh, at least it provides us the opportunity to, to do at least four things. And the first of these four things is what I say here now. It provides us the opportunity to acknowledge and celebrate the new king and lord praise god it it provides us the opportunity to acknowledge and to celebrate jesus as the new king and lord or as king and lord praise god now come with me to matthew please matthew matthew's account begins by this says and when they drew nigh unto jerusalem and were come to Bethpage onto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus to two disciples, saying, Go into the village against you, and straightway you shall, you, you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her, a donkey and its little one. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And straightway, he will send them. All this was done. Now watch this. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass. 
an occult, an occult, the fowl of an ass. So the disciples of Jesus went as commanded and did what they needed to do and brought the ass and the colt and put on, let's, let's say, donkey. Just in case someone thinks, why, is the, why does the pastor keep saying the word ass, ass, ass? But actually the word there is the word donkey. It's an old word for donkey. Yeah. So the, pa the pastor is not swearing, but he's using an old English word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right. And verse 7, and brought the donkey and the colt and put on, the, on them their clothes and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Uh, others cut down branches from trees and straw them. You see, so here we see that they cut this thing down from trees. This doesn't even say palm branches here, they, they, but they cut trees. We will see the same thing in Mark, I guess. And the multitude that went before, before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, the, the word Hosanna seemed to be running through the whole passage. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude, you see, those who are following, the multitude said, this is Jesus. Now remember, it is towards the feast, right? So many people have come into the city. And this is a time Jesus chose to do this. So they were asking, who is this? And those who were coming with him and those who, were, who knew a little bit said, this is the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Interesting. To God be the glory. And then he carries on. He went into the temple and we've read all that. Now, you notice that Jesus throughout his ministry had, had kept who he was a secret from the people. Because he did not want these evil religious leaders to interfere with his work and bring it to an abrupt halt or a premature halt. So he's kept, so that's the reason why he told many people, don't even say I've healed you, just go and enjoy it. <laughs> he, he does all, he did all his things in secret, but was he going to remain secret forever as the, his own brothers accused him of? How do you hope to, you know, reach down the whole world, but you don't want people people to know who you are, go out and reveal yourself. And here, here, Jesus is no longer holding back. Ha, hallelujah, praise God. He's no longer holding back. In this passage, he enacts a prophecy which, um, which was made by Zechariah. In Zechariah 9 verse 9, Zechariah 9 verse 9, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt and the fowl of an ass. Wonderful. So here he's enacting, he's demonstrating that, hey, I am the king. 
has been prophesied about and I am entering Jerusalem as, as such. Praise God. So here, the people rejoiced. The people rejoiced. And when people ask, who is this? Who is this? They were able to say something about him, but they could not tell the full story as we have seen in Matthew chapter um, 21, 1 to, 1, to, 1, to, 1 to 11. They did not tell the full story. All they said was that he is the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Now, the question then is this. What good can come out of Nazareth? You know, that question has already been asked. What good come out of Nazareth? Small town. What is he about Nazareth? So, he's a prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. That is the best they could say about him. But you see, the full story wasn't told. Because if you come to, if you come to Deuteronomy 18, right? Deuteronomy 18 and the 15th verse to the 18th verse, you, you see Moses said something about Jesus. He spoke about him, which later on, Peter also in the book of Acts makes reference to. Deuteronomy 18. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15, he says, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore. And the Lord said unto me, they have spoken... That which is, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee. And I will put my word in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I have, I shall command him. Hallelujah. And later on in Acts, when we come to the book of Acts, Peter, speaking to the people, said, this is a prophet. This is a, that is talking about Christ Jesus. He said, this is a prophet. That Moses talked about. That God um, a prophet like unto Moses. You know, from Moses came the law. But, but, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. He is a prophet like unto Moses. As Moses was on, on the mountain for 40 days, so was he in the wilderness for 40 days. He came like unto Moses. He is that prophet. He is that man. Okay, praise God. So if they, if they said prophet, the whole story was not told. But the thing is that, it wasn't just a prophet. Hallelujah. It wasn't just a prophet. And even though they celebrated him, right, they rejoiced. About, I mean, they, they praised him. They praised him according to Psalm 118 verse 26. In Psalm 118 verse 26, the Bible says this. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of, of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. But unfortunately, these people, as they were blessing Jesus, they overlooked verse 22 and verse 23 of Psalm 118, which say, hey, the stone which the builders rejected have become the chief cornerstone. You know, they forgot about that and they jumped onto this. And if you look at Matthew 21 verse 42, Jesus reminds them of this. Yeah, Matthew 21 verse 42, Jesus Christ reminds them of what they forgot. 
says, did ye, did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the doing of the Lord, and it is marvelous in our sight. Praise God. See, so here, the people were experiencing, they knew a little Bible, you see, they, they knew their Bible, so they were, you know, they were praising him and they were exhorting him as he was coming on the donkey and all that. But they did not really know him as the stone, as the, as the chief cornerstone. And that is quite sad. It's sad. And why is it sad? It is sad. It is sad in the sense that it's a frightening thing to know your Bible books. To know the books of the Bible, to know the chapters, know the verses, but not know the Lord of the Bible. It's really, and especially when he's at work among you. Here he's at work among the people and their knowledge about him is very, very shallow. They're not really aware of the, of the person He's a prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Actually, he is the Messiah. He's more than the prophet of Galilee. It's a very frightening thing. That we will not be like the, the, this kind of people who know their Bible books, know their Bible chapters, know their Bible verses, can quote left and right. But when the Lord is working among the church, and when I say church, I'm not referring to a, a local church. I'm talking about the church in general. That when he's working in the church, we can't even see it. God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. Okay. Now, now let's get into the text. Verse 5. Matthew, Matthew 21, verse 5. Are you with me so far? Matthew 21, verse 5. In verse 5. It reads like this. Tell ye the daughter of Zion. Behold. Thy king cometh unto thee. Meek. And sitting upon an ass. And a colt. The fowl of an ass. To God be the glory. I would please. Bear it. May or, or just ask you to come with, with me to First Kings, First Kings chapter one, please. First Kings, the chapter one. The first chapter. First Kings one. God is good. First Kings one. In First Kings one. And we want to read from the verse 32. 1 Kings 1 and the 32nd verse. Now, I would like you to notice something here in the 32nd verse. It says, And King David, King David said, said Call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. The king also said unto them. Take with you the servants of your Lord. And call Solomon my son. To ride upon my own. My own. 
My own mule. Praise God. My own mule. That is a donkey here, right? Okay. And bring him down to Gihon. Here we have King David ordering the priests and the prophets to set his son Solomon on his own donkey. That is a kingly donkey for your information. And verse 34, and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him their king over Israel and blow with the trumpet and say, God save King Solomon. Then he, then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. Praise God. For he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over all Judah. It goes on, it goes on, and it comes to verse 40, uh, verse, verse 39. And Zadok the priest took an, an horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the, 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 the trumpet, and all the people shout, and other people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth rent with the sound of them. As Christ was coming into the city like that, right? There was such praise. There was such noise that the whole multitude said, who is this? Because it caused such a, such a you know, it, it, it caused such, such, such a scene. And they wondered, who is this? Now, what am I saying with all this First Kings 1? That when... <laughs> What happened to, what David asked Zadok and Nathan to do, they were to install Solomon as king. And to install him as king, they had to put him on the donkey and bring him into the city and anoint him. It is what we call coronation ceremony. So the same way when Jesus, hello, when he got to Bethpage, Bethany, it was a very short distance. He has walked all this way to Bethpage and, and Bethany and could have just walked this short distance to, 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 to Jerusalem. But for this short distance, he requested for a donkey to ride on into the city. Why? Is he feeling lazy? No, but it was to demonstrate, it was to announce to Israel or to Jerusalem that yes, your king, what he did was a coronation ceremony demonstration. He demonstrated his coronation as the king, as the new king. As was done for Solomon as the new king, so did he do as the new king of Jerusalem. So if you have just, if you have just probably just heard, okay, he, he came in as king. Here I'm telling you that he actually demonstrated the coronation. It was a coronation ceremony that he was enacting. He was enacting before their eyes. You see, coronation ceremony where you ride on a donkey, come in peacefully, come in peace. That was what he was doing there. Indicating that, yes, 
I am the king and the new lord of Jerusalem. So whoever has ruled you, whoever has been your king, a new king has entered the city. That was the demonstration. That was the demonstration. So as we celebrate this Palm Sunday, you see, if you are, if, if, if you just think it is, all, it is all just about waving palm branches, then I want to say to, uh, to you, it is more than palm branches. It is more than just, you know, waving some palm in, b- b- before people's eyes or decorating your church building or the inside with, with the palm branches. Let's do that. But as we are doing that, let's remember that it is an acknowledgement and a time to celebrate the new king and Lord. You see, so for you who have never been a Christian and you're hearing me today, it means that a new king, if, if you acknowledge and celebrate him, it, it means that you are welcoming and appreciating him, him as your new king, as your new lord. And, as, and, and you know, like what we normally say, new king, new law. If it's a new king of, over your life, then whoever, who, whoever was the authority in your life, that voice is over. A new voice is coming. It is the voice of Christ Jesus as king over your life. And if you're already a Christian, this is just to remind you that Jesus is a king and lord over your life. That it is from him you take your orders. That means society no longer tells you how to live your life. That means the one who tells you how to live your life, how your mood swing should be, is no other king than King Jesus. You see, so, oh, as for me, I'm a moody person. Well, a new king has come. You can no longer be a moody person. It's not time for joy. You know, to celebrate, to celebrate means to honor, to respect, to revere, to sing about. Hallelujah. So it is time to really to acknowledge number one and to celebrate the king and the Lord. That he is my Lord. He is my king. Celebrate him. Celebrate him that you would, that means you recognize, you, you acknowledge means you recognize him and you are proud to be under his kingship. That is what it means. And you are mindful wherever you are to live your life in such a way that it honors him. And then the, the New Testament will put it like this. You see, live a life that is worthy of your vocation. That is worthy of our calling. That we are now under a new king. King Jesus. I've come to announce to, to you, you are under a new king. king a king and <laughs> a king when you're under a king or when you're in under a kinship or when you're in a kingdom i want to announce to you it is not a democracy rule under kings is not democracy 
Democracy means the people's rule. You see, Solomon, sorry, King Saul was under the king of kings and did not realize his place. God have mercy. He did not realize his position. When the king gave him command to go and, you know, annihilate Amalek forever and ever, he came back and said, well, the people said they wanted something, so I did it for them. He really realized that, no, it is not a democracy. <laughs> so that what the people say is what goes. No, it is what the king says that what, what goes. So we are under a king and we ought to acknowledge and to celebrate him. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are under a new king. We are under a king of kings. Under the Lord of lords. He is mighty. He is great. And he is awesome. Praise God. Ah. He is my king. Is he your king? Because yes. he is my king. And I love him. He is your king. Ask your neighbor. Is he your king? Is he your king? Ask somebody. Yes. No, you can't pass this question. Ask someone, is he your king? No, you cannot pass this. You cannot be too busy not to ask this question. Ask someone, is he your king? Hello? Ask someone who you've not spoken to yet. Is he your king? Because you need to ask this question. Because he does not come to Jerusalem to demonstrate this for it to just be glossed over. No. He wants it to be recognized. See, he's been, he's been quiet for a long time, but now he's no longer being quiet. And Palm Sunday offers us the opportunity to acknowledge and to celebrate this king and Lord. In our lives. Praise God. Secondly. What else does this Palm Sunday do? The second opportunity it gives us is this. It also gives us the opportunity to consider and examine our worship life. Hello? It gives us the opportunity to consider, number one, and to examine our worship life. Come with me now to Mark, please. Today we're running through all the Gospels. Hallelujah. Mark. Mark chapter 11, please. Mark 11. In Mark 11, we have just us. Just, just like Matthew and verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and, Beth, and, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sends forth two disciples and they go into the city, into the village over against them. And as soon as ye be entered, ye shall find a cold tide whereon never man sat. Lose him and bring him. Okay. There was... Praise God. Mm -hmm. 
There is one thing I need to point out here. It still comes under, under the kinship. But this kin, this kin is no ordinary kin. You see, before I touch on this uh, worship, and worship and examine our worship life, let me just finish this, this one. This kin is no ordinary kin. You remember when David told, when David told, when David told Zadok and Nathan to, to anoint Solomon as kin. He ordered them to put Solomon on his mule or on his donkey. Now, watch that when it comes to Jesus, the command he gave is, when you go into this village next door, you will find a donkey and an ass tied. And the, and the thing is this, a, a donkey that no one has ever sat upon before. Why that detail? Why that detail? To indicate that this donkey really has been set apart for this purpose. So no one has ever used this donkey before. I know when it comes to God, God is holy. What does holy mean? Holy means that he's set apart. What does holy things mean? When we say something is a holy thing, it means that thing has been set apart. And it's, and it's only things that are set apart that are used for God. So him using a donkey that has never been set upon him before is an indication that we are talking about someone who is other. Someone who is other. Someone who is different. Because he comes on a donkey that is set apart. So here we are not seeing just an ordinary king but a God king. The king who is God himself so your kin is no other than god almighty Amen. so the one to whom you are giving the lay i mean you are giving allegiance and you are submitting everything to is the king of kings and the lord of lords wonderful praise god then in mark chapter 11 in Mark 11, we see in Mark 11, he, he comes into the city. Verse 5, he finds the cold tide and he said, verse 5, what, are you, what, what do ye lose in the cold? And they said unto him, as Jesus had commanded them, and they let them go. And they brought the cult to Jesus and cast their garments on them. On the ground, hallelujah, cast their garments, hello, verse 7, cast their garments on the ground, sorry, sorry, cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him, and many spread their garments in the way, verse 8, many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of trees and strew them, and strew them in the way, praise the Lord. 
and they and they that went before him they that followed him cried hosanna again hosanna hosanna the word the original word means save 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 us like save us blessed is he that cometh in the name of the lord blessed be the kingdom of david oh, sorry blessed be the kingdom of our father david that cometh in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and jesus entered into jerusalem and into the temple and when he had looked notice the word looked and when he had looked around about all things and now the evening now the evening was the evening tide was come he went out unto bethany with the 12. right i'll come i'll just focus on a few things here now notice that in mark 11 verse 8 he says they cast others cast down their garments on the road now what is significant about this we might have seen the same thing in matthew but i, I just chose to mention it here in mark can we turn with me please to uh, once again second kings nine second kings nine and the verse one second kings nine and verse one let's read a few scriptures first kings nine right first kings nine and the verse one right and elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets and said unto him get up thy loins praise the lord get up thy loins and take this box of oil in thine hand and go to ramoth gilead and when thou cometh thither look out there jehu the son of jehoshaphat the son of nimshi and go in and make him arise up from among his people his his brethren and carry him to an inner chamber that is elisha told this he called one of his children the the prophet and sent him on an errand to meet a a, a, a man called jehu and said when you find him among his brethren separate him from his brethren take him to an inner chamber right okay verse 3 then take the box of oil and pour it on his head and say thus saith the lord i have anointed thee king over israel then open the door and flee and tarry not so the young man even the young man the prophet went to ramoth gilead and when he came behold the captains of the host were sitting and he said i have an errand to thee o captain and jehu said unto which of us all and he said and he said to thee o captain and he arose and went into the house and he poured the oil on his head and said unto him thus saith the lord god of israel i have anointed thee king over the people of the, of the lord even over israel and thou shalt smite the house of ahab thy master that I may revenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Hmm. Anyway, no comment on here. Let's keep, let's keep going. Because today is Palm Sunday. For the, for the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth, him that pisseth against the wall, and him that shut up and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of 
Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, and the dog shall eat Jezebel in the portion of, Jeze of Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. This was, Jehu they, they, this was Jehu's commission. Wow. The man who tumbled Jezebel's uh, kingdom down. Wonderful. No one could stand Jezebel, but when God anointed him, he did that. Then Jehu came forth to the servants. Right? So the, the prophet goes away. And then Jehu comes back to the, to, the, uh, to the soldiers. Then Jehu came forth to the servants of his Lord. And one said unto him, It's all well. Wherefore came this mad fellow? They call him a mad fellow. Why? Because he was a prophet. Dressed like a prophet. So they call him mad. Wherefore came this mad fellow to thee? And he said, and he said Ye know the man and his communication. And they said, you see, so he was not ready to, to tell them. And they said, it is false. Tell us. Because he was saying, oh, you know the man. He, he was just blabbing away. Just ignore him. Ignore him. Ignore him. And he said, no, 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 no. This guy won't come here, call you into a, a secret chamber, and then just blab nonsense. No. What, what, what you are saying is not true. It is false. Tell us the truth. Tell us now. Verse 12. And he said, Thus and thus saith he to me. Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Now watch what he did. See what he did here in the verse 13. Then they hasted and took every man his garment and put it under him on the top of the stairs and blew with a trumpet saying, Jehu is king. Hallelujah. Jehu is king. So what were they doing? What they were doing here was that they praise God. They did. They put their garments on the ground. So basically, putting the putting of garment on the ground for someone to walk on was like laying a red carpet. Hello. That is a, we don't see a lot in scripture, but that's but what they did here was like setting up a, a, a red carpet for him. So praise God. So when Christ Jesus, when Christ Jesus, when he when the people lay down, when the, when the people lay down their their garments on the ground, it was a similar thing they were doing. They were like laying down the red carpet. So here in this Palm Sunday, all this this journey to this um, triumphant entry into Jerusalem, God is giving us all the indications, or Christ is demonstrating unto us all the things that shows that he's that he is coming in as the king. He's no longer hiding it. He's now declaring plainly who he is. So as king and lord over Israel. Should he, if you are come as king over Jerusalem, if you've come as king of the people of Israel, where should you go? I was expecting, I was expecting the palace. That he storms the palace. Right? Boot out, you know, the Romans from office and, 
you know, take the sword and shout, hey, the sword of Jesus and the, and the people, you know, you know, something like that. But Jesus, Mark tells us, come to Mark, please. Mark tells us in the verse 11. Verse 11, 11, Mark 11, 11. As the people were shouting, as the people were shouting, Hosanna, 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 Jesus marches straight into the temple. And in the temple, what does he do? He looks around. He looks, what is he doing? Inspecting, inspecting the temple inspecting the sanctuary he is inspecting the sanctuary investigating what is going on in there you see he is lord his lordship is not does not emanate from the palace but from the temple from the sanctuary from the inner chamber that is where He's priest over the sanctuary. Hallelujah. He goes into the, sun, into the temple to take inventory. He goes into the sanctuary. The word inventory means to check things out. Check things out. He comes into the temple to check things out, to take inventory. What is happening here? What is happening here? What is happening here? What is happening here? You see here. And today, you see, I've come to say this to you. What you see? Your place of worship, your place of worship, your place of worship, your place of worship primarily is, is in, you, you, you have got an inner sanctuary, you've got an inner sanctuary, and he comes there as Lord to inspect what is going on. So today I want to ask this question, that if he come, he, 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 he has come, he's a Lord, he's a, he, he's a king and a priest of our sanctuary. Today he's taking inventory. What would he find in our hearts? What would he find in our sanctuary? Would he be pleased with what he sees in our sanctuary, both in our hearts and in, in, and, and in our local churches? Would he find something pleasing? Would he be happy with what he sees? Oh, would he see people destroying other people? Would he see people leading people astray? Would he see wickedness? Would he see, you know, uncaring attitude? Would he see lack of love? Would he see, you know, uh, um, like a difficult attitude? Would he see, I don't care what happens here. I'm minding my own business. And I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm caring for my own lifestyle. Or, or would he see things that cause his heart to be excited? If he's a king and lord, then he's also priest over the sanctuary that we, that we inhabit. He's a sanctuary over the heart. And he's a priest also over the sanctuary physical. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If he is Lord, the question is, would he be pleased with what he sees? Would he find us giving attention to all things material? Or would he find us giving attention to things that are spiritual? Would he see only things material? Or would he see us growing? 
If he takes inventory right now, what would he see? Growing in the Lord? Growing in the spirit? I mean spiritual growth? Or he will see decadence, things falling apart? Is he going to see, you know, the ways of the world taking over our minds? Is he going to see carnality? Is he going to see, you know, we, we, we love him more, growing in him? You know, can't get enough of him, that kind of thing. Or would he see a lack of a lack of a lack of attention. A lack of attention to God. What would he see? What would he see? So we see that's the second opportunity that Palm Sunday offers us. The third opportunity that Palm Sunday offers us is this. The Palm Sunday also creates a living consciousness of time and purpose of the church in our hearts. It creates a living consciousness of time. Or another way to say it, another word for living is it creates a continuous, a continuous consciousness. That, that's what I mean by living. It creates a continuous consciousness of time. Of the time, sorry, times. Times. It creates a living consciousness of times. And the purpose of the other church in our hearts. Because it is very possible that we become unconscious of the times. And you see, the God that we serve is a God of seasons. In Genesis, we are told that he is the one that put in place times and seasons. Seasons and times are important to, to him. My Bible tells me that according to the time of life, Elijah gave a prophecy and it happens. And it happened. And according to the time of life again, Christ came. He was born in due time. Paul said, according to time, according to God's time, he said, I came into the faith. You have come into the faith not at any wrong time. You know, Mordecai told Esther, who knows if you've come into the kingdom at such a time as this. So times are very important to God. And Palm Sunday helps us gain a living or a continuous consciousness of times and also the purpose of the church. What do I mean by that? Come with me to Luke. Luke 19. Luke 19. In Luke 19, what I will do is I will read certain verses. Luke 19. I will not go to the whole. Um, Luke 19, and I will read a verse. I should be starting from verse 28, but I will skip that. And I will come to verse, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll come, come with me to the verse. Ooh. Is it verse 40 he says it? Great. Verse 41. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's take it from the verse 39. It will, it will give us a scope. 
uh, verse 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke the disciples. Why? Because they did not like it. And, they, and then verse 40. And he said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones will immediately cry out. Praise God. Now, verse 41. Our main emphasis here in Luke. Now, Luke says, Luke, only Luke records this. <laughs> Luke, no wonder Luke stands out among the evangelists. He records certain things that are not recorded elsewhere. Luke 19, verse 41. And when he was come near the city, near, he beheld the city. As when he came near Jerusalem, what did he do? He looked at Jerusalem and he wept over it. Jesus, in this triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, wept over the city before he got in. He wept over the city. He wept over the city. He wept. Tears came out of him. He was sorrowful. He wept. He wept over the people. Not over the trees and the buildings, but over the people in the city. He wept over them. Because of their miserable and pity state. And for his weeping, what does he say? Verse 42. If thou, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this dying day, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes. The things which belong to thy peace. 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 You see, you have peace when the authority that is connected with chaos and destruction is broken over your life. Then we say you have peace. There's an authority that rules over chaos and destruction in some aspects of our lives. Until that is broken, there's no peace. Peace comes when this authority connected with chaos and destruction is broken in, every, in any areas of your life. And he says, do you know what? The things will belong to your peace. The destruction of the chaos and destructions in your life. But they are hid from your eyes. Why? For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee about and keep thee in, or in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon the other. Why? Why this? Why, will the, why would enemies come in and do this to you? The enemies will lay thee to, to, to the ground, verse 44, and with your children within you, and they will not leave in thee one stone upon the other. Because what? Because you thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Thy king is coming amongst you, but you have no clue. I've been working amongst you, but you have no clue. You are still blind. So blind. 
So Palm Sunday offers us the opportunity. You know, it creates in us that living consciousness of the times that we become people who are that we become people who are mindful of the times. Mindful of the times. Oh God of mercy. Hallelujah. You remember in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, 1 to 3, where the Pharisees were asking Jesus, show us a sign. And then he said unto them, in Matthew 16, verse 1 to 3, he said, the Pharisees also and the Sadducees came and tempted him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather. For the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather. Today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the, of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? Can you not tell when God is at work amongst you? Can you not tell when the power of the Spirit is working among you? Can you not tell when the Spirit of God is doing a new work amongst you? Can you not tell what God is saying in the time that in the times that we live in? Can you not discern it? Don't you realize it is time to arise? Don't you realize it is time to to be clothed with righteousness? Don't you realize it is time to advance the kingdom of God? Don't you realize it is time to put your me 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 down and arise? Don't you realize the king is soon coming the king is coming soon and what preparation are we making for our own souls the king is coming the king is coming he was concerned about the state of the temple he was concerned about their worship lives but he does not leave it there he presses further and he tells them it's because you have no you, you see you are not having you are not excess you're not having a living consciousness a continuous consciousness of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the times of God you seem to be just be living in some you know in some in some in some in some old um, era you are not you are not rec rec recognizing what i'm doing right now things are changing it's time to rise up on your feet it is time to be more daring for god time to stand your ground as a christian time to begin to you know strengthen your fellowship and relationship with almighty god but you see you are taking things for granted <laughs> for some people the season we are in has brought an opportunity to make money so they think it is time to make money no 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 precious one i've come to tell you it is time to make peace with your god if you don't if you don't know him and if you know him already it is time it is time to strengthen that relationship it is time to strengthen your resolve it is time to establish your feet in the truth. It is time to strengthen your ground. Strengthen your knees. If your hands are up praying, it is, it is time to strengthen those hands like Moses. Lift them up. Oh, hallelujah. Saying, God, arise. Let your enemies be scattered. It is not time to say, whoa, 
the world is gone bonkers. So let's just f forget it and live anyhow. No, 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 no. It is time to wake up. It is time to say, hey, <laughs> the coming of the Lord God Almighty is near. The coming of the King of Kings is near. It is near. That time is near. It is nearer than I believed. And I live each day expecting that he will come tonight. He will come this morning. He will come anytime. I will occupy till he comes. But I also live in, in expectation of his coming. Leaving nothing to chance. And then what else? Consciousness. And living consciousness of the times. And something else. And what did we say? The purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. See what he does here in Luke 19. See what he does here. And then in verse 45, and he went into the temple, just like in all the, the other gospels. He goes into the temple, and when he goes in, he cast out those that sold therein, and them that bought. And what did he say? Saying unto them, it is written, my house is, it is written, my house is the house of prayer. But ye have made it a den of thieves. You've made it a den of thieves. A den of thieves. God have mercy. Praise the Lord. God have mercy. What is happening here? What is happening here is this. You see, the people were selling. They were selling in the temple. Yes, they were doing worship. You ought to come with your animals to worship. And all that, the, the doves and the sheep and all that, that, there was no problem with the selling. But what was happening was that they were selling these things for, uh, 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 they were for, for very exorbitant amount. They were charging an arm and a leg just for a dove. And they would tell you the dove you bought outside the temple is not fit for worship. The, the sheep you are bringing for, for worship is not fit for the worship. Only the animals sold in the temple are fit for worship. And they will charge you. You see, they, they, they could have bought the sheep or the bird very cheap outside, but they would not accept it. So people have to come with money and they were charging them bigger. So, so basically, there was extortion in the temple. Extortion. And Jesus Christ is saying, the people were meant to come here. The lame to be healed and the blind to see. But you've driven them out and you've made this place a den of Thieves, a den of Satan. Just coming in here for your personal advantage. You know, material advantage. It was, it was, they were coming into the, into the temple for material advantage. You see, the church of God does not exist for material advantage. But it is to meet people's spiritual needs. Yes, and people's physical needs. But not to come to have an advantage over other people in there. That's not what it is for. God have mercy. God have mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's, it is a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? You see, instead of compassion, a house of prayer indicates that a place where people are connected to God. Because in because for prayer to happen, there must be people and God. There must be some communication. It, it, it's about prayer. It, it, prayer is about communication with God. 
So it's, it's a place that people come to be made, I mean, to be, to be brought face to face with God. It's a place where people come to experience comfort, hope, joy, compassion. But they've turned, but they turned into a den of thieves. You know, thieves rob. Thieves, thieves do things that makes you sick. Thieves do things that make you, you know, like you. It takes away your comfort. Takes away your joy. It, it, a, it has become a place of wickedness, a place of unkindness, lack of care, lack of love, lack of compassion, selfishness, personal gain. That was what it had become. Instead of a place where people receive encouragement, hope, joy. Hallelujah. A place where people receive faith. Hope and love. The question is this. What purpose are we pursuing? God have mercy. God have mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see. On the one side. These religious leaders were not very happy. Hello? Why were they not happy? They were the reigning champions. They were the ones ruling power. They had the religious authority. The people were under them. And right now, Christ has come. And because since, 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 since he came, the people have drawn onto them. Now, look at, look at the verse. Look at the verse. Uh, look at the verse 39 the verse 39 he says and some of the some of the Pharisees among the people said unto him master rebuke thy disciples why they were not happy what was what, what was being said they didn't like it why should they be saying such things it's not nice let them stop it it's not good it's not good let them stop it God have mercy Yes, Christ said, if they keep quiet, the stones will begin to praise me. Hallelujah. And I just want to quickly tell you, just bring you to something before I end here. Come to John 12, verse 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. That was your hope. That, that was what was really eating them up. The world has gone after Jesus and not them. They were the ones who were the reigning champions. But now in John 12 verse 19, we see the disciples were very, sorry, the Pharisees. They were very, very sad. Because the whole world is going to after Jesus. And they've been left alone. Let's say here, there will be on one side, we have the religious authorities, the evil ones, who were determined to maintain their authority and power and also to preserve their income. But then on, on, this, on, this, on this other side, we have Jesus who is coming in to make sure that he, he stirred the people up into faith, hope, and love. And to also to raise up the spiritual practices. Now the thing is this. This is what was happening in this ancient Palestine at this time. But let's not stay in ancient Palestine. Let's come to the 21st century. 
this desire for power, for authority, for rule, for you know, for financial gain and all that, it runs side by side the desire to grow in faith, love, and hope in the same soul. But the question is, who, which one would you allow to reign? Which one would you allow to gain the control? The answer is obvious. It has to be faith, love, and hope. And the practices of these spirits. You know, like prayer and
who will not be happy. They will not be happy with your following the Lord. They will not be happy. As you are acknowledging and celebrating your King and Lord, they will not be happy with you. You wonder, ah, you see, so with all my good life, with all the things I'm doing, with all the positive things I'm doing, bringing around you, with all the things that I'm doing, aren't you glad that I'm a Christian? Aren't you glad I'm happy? No, they would not. No, they would not. Why? The reason is because their authority, I mean, maybe maybe the person around you, maybe that, 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 that person is, is feeling threatened that the authority over you is now broken because now you are celebrating the king of kings and the lord of lords and you're no longer celebrating them. It could be a friend, it could be a colleague, it could be a mother, it could be a father, it could be a whatever. These days, you know, your allegiance is to Jesus. So they'll not be happy. They may not tell you in, in the face, but they'll not be happy. And you can see actions and deeds showing that they're not really happy with the things that you're doing. Why? Because you've got an allegiance to, 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 to Christ Jesus. But hey, be encouraged. Be encouraged. You are in good fellowship. You are in the right place. You are in the right place. You see, so as we celebrate Palm Sunday, I want you to have these things, these, these four things at the back of your mind. Now, hey, it is, it's, it's an opportunity to acknowledge and to celebrate the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's an opportunity, you know, to consider and examine our worship life. Praise Jesus. It is also, it creates also in us a, a living consciousness of times and the purpose of the church. And it also brings us encouragement. Encouragement. That hey, keep on keeping on in the faith. If you find people not, not happy with your faith or wherever you're standing, don't let it discourage you. Keep on keeping on. God bless you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed, hallelujah, blessed, hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord, oh yes, more blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, oh yes, blessed, hallelujah, blessed, hallelujah, blessed. Be the name of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Blessed. Hallelujah. Blessed. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, I pray. May the word of the Lord make you stronger 
Make you acknowledge and celebrate the king. Cause you to become, you know, to consider and to examine the sanctuary of your heart as you go along. Make sure that, you know, nothing, like Paul said, we should examine ourselves. That you let nothing, maybe some things try to slip in, you kick them out. Some old habits want to come back. You want to kick those habits out. And you also want to have a, you know, make sure that you are walking in the living consciousness of times, times. You are, be, you are becoming aware of the times that we live in and the purpose of the church. You are maintaining as it ought to be maintained. And hey, precious one, today be encouraged that you may not know all things. You may not have all things. You may not have all the understanding for what you need to do. But when you need it, it will come. He will provide it. And those that are around that are probably against what you're doing, against your walk in the, in the Lord, fear not. Be encouraged. They will always be there. But the Lord God Almighty will see you through. Amen. Father, we thank you. May the word of God bring you peace. May this truth of God bring you rest in your soul. I also pray, may you be healed in the name of Jesus. You bless you, God. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I could not. The, thing the word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful. 